Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast documents the oral history of contemporary art, film, and architecture. In August 2019, American artist Charles Gaines receives the 60th annual Edward McDowell Medal. The award celebrates his high achievements in visual art, musical composition, and performance, and his influence as a teacher, writer, and curator. A haven for artists since 1907, the McDowell Colony in New Hampshire was the first artist residency program established in the United States. Each year, the medal recognizes one individual as an outstanding contributor to American arts and culture. Merce Cunningham, Louise Nevelson, Isamu Noguchi, Sonny Rollins, and Toni Morrison are among past honorees. Born in Charleston, South Carolina, Charles Gaines was the first African-American accepted into the School of Art and Design MFA program at the Rochester Institute of Technology. He now lives and works in Los Angeles. He's been a faculty member at the California Institute of the Arts for more than three decades. Since the 1970s, Gaines has been delving into philosophy, abstraction, and mathematics to address politics and race. We called Charles Gaines in Los Angeles to talk about the medal he's about to receive. It's very humbling, I have to admit. There's a little part of me that feels undeserving, mostly because when you look at the list, this is incredibly impressive. The very important people have been honored this way over the years. It stretches my imagination to, to see myself as um, a member of that party. You are recognized in the visual artist category, but your work really crosses disciplines as you've composed for performance as well as created in the more formal way of visual art. Yeah, that's right. I was trained as a professional musician at a young age, and I played for a number of years. I hadn't seen any way of connecting my visual practice with my interest in music until pretty recently, until the last uh, perhaps six, seven years, when I started a series of pieces called Manifestos, where I found a way to deal with, in music, the same conceptual concerns that I have in the visual arts. I love that Thelma Golden, director and chief curator of the Studio Museum in Harlem, will be there to talk about your work and present the medal. That's something that I'm particularly impressed by and honored deeply, because Thelma, I think, is one of the most important persons in cultural production in the world within the last 25 years. She is huge, as far as I'm concerned. And the fact that she has agreed to, to do this, again, boggles my imagination. It's going to be an exciting day. I think so. For me, I hope for everybody else. In December 2017, we meet Charles Gaines at the Fontainebleau, an iconic Miami Beach hotel. It's Art Week in South Florida. Gaines is on everyone's radar. 
The Art Basel Miami Beach Art Fair has announced that he is premier artist for 2017. The Institute of Contemporary Art Miami will feature the artist's digital aesthetic in their new design district space for an entire year. Numbers and Trees activates the central stairwell in a vertical composition. Four panels represent the original series of nine. Abstracted Trees from Central Park in New York City. The gridded images painted on plexiglass plot the shapes of trees progressively layered on one another. Gaines has flown to Miami from New Orleans, where his art is on view in Solidary and Solitary, the Joyner Gifrida collection. The exhibition tells the history of art by African and African-American artists from the 1940s to the present. Collector Pamela Joyner believes that Charles Gaines is key to this history as an artist whose work formulates the DNA of the conceptual movement. Black abstraction right now is a big topic of conversation. There's many shows being curated. Howard Dana Pendel has a show coming up. There's one at the Women for the Arts in Washington, D.C. There's a show on abstraction at the South Florida Arts Center here now. Torquasi Dyson is in that one. Adler Garrier, who's based here, a Haitian artist, is working in an abstract sense to look at metaphysical questions of being part of a diaspora. I'm wondering how you found your way to abstraction or conceptualism as your mode of working. At a certain point when I got out of graduate school, I uh, was having trouble finding meaning in what was at the time the normative and conventional idea of artistic practice, which was based upon expression, personal subjective expression, a series of uh, investigations and research and explorations. I decided that what suited me more comfortably was to work in the systems. So I started a series of works, mostly at the time drawings, that utilized numbers in order to plot and aggregate certain forms and certain shapes. These shapes and forms were produced by the numerical system that I was employing, not from what's called the creative imagination. That was my first exploration, in the sense that the systematic work it's, you know, can be considered abstract. Later, I discovered that certain experiences I was having in the 70s when I was doing this work paralleled certain experiences of mostly black painters of the 50s and 60s who were doing work that is conventionally described as European abstraction. Norman Lewis, one of the classical examples of that, his dedication to modernism and modernist ideas, which is fundamentally an invention of European art history, his dedication to that didn't conform and coincide perfectly with the ability of that work to reflect upon his lived experiences as a black person and a black artist. Norman found his own particular solution to that problem in that uh, he participated in producing circumstances that would provide opportunities for black artists to, to produce work and to get exposure. And at the same time, he continued uh, his investment in abstraction. So what role do numbers play as an observation for you? in a system? Is there a metaphorical 
connection, something you're counting. I mean, I know the numbers in trees is my most recent experience here at the ICA Miami. No, but my interest is more philosophical than that, uh, because I was interested in certain kinds of paradoxes between the way that things are represented and the objects that they represent. The plotting of the shape of, of the tree creates an interesting paradox to think about, which is the difference between the system that we're observing and using numbers as ways of establishing rational coordinates that correspond to the shape of trees. There's a certain gap where you see between the object that is supposed to be a tree and the representation of it in the form of, of the numbers and systems. Uh, you, you know very well that you're not looking at a tree, but you're looking at a grid pattern. But there is a gap between the two that sort of culture and socially we've sort of accommodated and filled in as if that gap is rational or logical. But in fact, it's not. It's, the gap is a learned experience. If you explore the nature of that gap, there's no way to close it. That There's no way to understand how we rationally or cognitively understand and perceive the world and the world that's the object of our perception. Everything that's operating in that work has a, a systematic function. So, for example, the colors are there not primarily to look beautiful, but the colors are there to cold and differentiate the different trees. It's in the same way that you might have a filing system and color code the different things that are part of that filing system. What are we seeing visually? It, the work is in series. It's like take a series of photographs and I convert those photographs to line contour drawings. And then I place those contour drawings on a grid and I fill in the squares of the grid where the tree intersects with the grid. So if you take the contour drawing away, then you just see the numbers, but in aggregate they form the shape of the tree. So I then put that on the plexi box in the form of colors and numbers. For the second piece in the series, I reproduced number one and then I project the shape of the, the new tree on top of that reproduced work, and I fill in the colors for that. And then when number two is finished, in order to do number three, I reproduce number two, and then project the image of tree number three on top of that in a different color. And I keep doing this. In that particular series, there are nine trees in aggregate. When you look at the work, uh, you'll see nine boxes. The first box is, of course, one tree. The very last box is an aggregate and over layers of nine trees. When we meet in Miami Beach, Gaines is creating a new series of grid works for an upcoming show in New York. This time, his focus is on the human face, a form he deconstructed for the first time in 1978. His portraits of celebrated thinkers trace the evolution of aesthetics politics, and language. Gaines continues to critique how the conservative political agenda trivializes race and difference. Similar to the trees, I plot the shape of faces on top of each other in a sequence. Are there particular faces you're focused on in this work? Is there a message behind that? I'm sure it's not going to stay the same, but right now the title of that series is called Identity Politics. Revisited, And I was interested in that title because of this enormous suspicion around the ideas of identity politics, you know, the political correctness. 
the suspicion drawn around that concept is because of this resurgent racism that I think is going on, where we're being refused the opportunity to talk about difference in, in race these days without people thinking that you're accusing them of being racist by talking about it. I wanted to raise this issue. So what I did was that I chose the faces of theorists and philosophers who themselves created and produced ideas around the idea of self and identity, you know, starting with Aristotle and going all the way up to Edward Said. We even include people like Jacques Lacan. What I'm doing in the series is uh, plotting in sequence the shape of their faces on top of each other following the, the historical timeline. I'm interested in forming an analogy where the plotting of the shapes form an aggregate of shapes with the idea of development of ideas of identity uh, over historic time. You've just had a, a retrospective that was at the Studio Museum and at the Hammer Museum. What progression of your work did you appreciate seeing in that context? Uh, so it was a decision early on when the exhibition was organized for the Studio Museum to just focus on work done up to 1989, so, so it's 1973 to 1989. And so those years correspond with that period of work that I called the uh, grid work, the work working in systems and numbers. As I moved into the 90s, my work moved into areas of exploration that involved language and systems, and more specifically and more uh, tangibly the idea of politics and political activism. What I experienced at Venice Viennale two years ago was a composition involving music and language. So that's the divergence in your work. Yeah, that represents how the work shifted. The work that you're referring to is from a series called The Manifestos. The particular work that you saw at the Venice Biennale was a work that's called Sound Text. The key to that project is the way that I produce the music. The music is produced by taking the letters of a political text and translating those letters into musical notes then taking that and forming a musical composition from it, which is then performed by an ensemble. The principle behind that is that the composition is exclusively produced by the system and not produced by my imagination. The very first time we connect with Charles Gaines is in 2015, just moments before the performance of a work from his Manifesto series. We're sitting in the arena, a public gathering space that architect David Ajay designed for the 56th Venice Art Biennale. Curator Okui and Wezor commissioned Gaines to produce a new original master composition for the exhibition All the World's Futures. Gaines's recent work, Notes on Social Justice, informs his biennial project, a series of large-scale drawings of musical scores from songs, some borrowed from as early as the American Civil War and others dating from the mid-20th century. What is the background of this performance piece you're about to hear. It's a piece that continues a series of works that I called Manifestos. And the basic idea is to take a political text and convert the, the words to that text into musical notation. 
and perform the music from that translation. There are two parts of this. One's an installation where the music and the text are seen in a video format. In this piece, the live performance includes vocals. What are the texts that they'll be interpreting? Two of them from the European classical tradition, but they have political origins coming from the 18th and 19th century. Le Fleurs is one work, and the other is actually an American, all on account of the tariffs. I translate the text from political manifestos to replace the lyrics in those particular songs. What drew you to this sort of interpretation? Well, I use the text and music as a larger strategy in my work to bring together things that are unrelated. In this case, the social and political documents were brought together with the musical forms, sheet music, for example, and tried to take advantage of whatever relationship or linkage that could be drawn between the two different sources. I'm interested in a larger question having to do with how meaning is constructed and trying to give a larger role to culture and the formation of meaning uh, rather than the modern tradition that meaning comes from some transcendental source. This is the Fresh Art Podcast. I'm Kathy Bird. As Charles Gaines prepares for high-profile exhibitions in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and London through 2022, we reflect on what his art says to the world. Resolutely abstract in his practice, Gaines refuses traditional representation Resisting both dominant racial stereotypes and pressure from within the black community, his grid works and manifestos deliberately counter deep-seated assumptions about the forms that nature and culture, art and music should take. Charles Gaines shows us how art can embody conceptual, aesthetic, and personal freedom. Visit our website to learn more and hear other voices from the universe of contemporary art. Please take a few minutes to review Fresh Art on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, and listeners like you make this oral history project possible. On our website, you'll find the opportunity to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk. <laughs>